Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast, the Superman edition. My name is Mike Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. From Chula Vista, inside the tent, is Mr. Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Tom, you okay over there, camping out? I just don't believe a man can fly. (laughs) Well, uh, we are talking about the Superman sequels. Today, we are specifically talking about Superman 3. Now, if you've been with us since the beginning, you know that we're breaking these episodes up. You also know that we have segments uh, called Rank Them and Good or Bad. I ranked these sequels 2, 3, 4. Tom inexplicably ranked them (laughs) 3, 2, 4. But we both declared Superman 3 as good. Is that not right, Tom? That is correct. I'm interested to know why why you think it's good because I, I think I think we might have different reasons. That's very possible. And <laughs> like to be clear, like you and I need to get this out of the way right now. There's a lot of nonsense in this movie. There yes. is a lot of not good in this movie. This movie has just completely ridiculous moments that just are non complete nonsense, you know? You have like a 600-foot drop for Richard Pryor. Not even, I think it's thousands of feet on a set of skis mm-hmm. that just doesn't have a problem with. The whole opening sequence is a problem. I mean, <laughs> we could go on, and yet we both think this is a good movie. This is your favorite. You're really going to have to defend it. So where do we start? Uh... Well, it, it was starting with me defending it. Uh, prob- probably the, the skyscraper is, is not the best place to start, but still, um, what I'm going to, what I think neither is that opening sequence. Let's talk about that. Well, you know, you, I, I take issue with you saying the whole opening sequence is a problem. It does I boldly think... declare what kind of movie you're going to see. I'll right. give you that. And I, I say that, that is the, the basis of my defense of this movie is All that right. we, is that we have, uh, a movie where, um, it knows what it wants Richard, to be. It knows what it wants to be. Richard Lester knows what he's doing as director. Uh, Superman 2 was two different directors with two different visions fighting against each other. And, you know, most of the time it comes out okay, but, the, you know, it falls apart at the seams a little bit. With this film, I feel like <laughs> everyone is on the... I feel like everyone is on the same page. It might not be a page that you want to read, but it's the same page. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Let's talk about that opening sequence, because there are so many moments for me where I go, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But you seem to be a little more delighted. Um, Well, delighted. Also, I should mention, like, for those of you listening, (laughs) like, this opening sequence is complete slapstick comedy but also includes a violent bank robbery a man drowning in his car i mean it's just a it's a a violent sea rage of different (laughs) levels of well yeah if you need if you needed to know anything about this movie you could get it all from that opening title sequence i want to i want to take it just back just a little further to the this movie once again as with superman 2 has a cold open yeah um 
It's a very different cold open. <laughs> the first one was kind of was was action based science fiction. Uh, here we're in we're in an unemployment line with uh, one of the most famous stand up comedians of the time. Correct, <laughs> and, Richard and Pryor. It's not you know it, it does it doesn't especially with the things we're going through now doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies as a white woman is looking over this black man as though he's the laziest person in the world because he can't get a job or keep a job you know yeah i i think i i think um it's it's a it's a it's such a strange start um i mean i i can see where richard lester and probably richard Pryor are thinking you know this is just a great vehicle to do a little bit of richard Pryor stand-up and right. You know, which is what everyone wants to see. You know, his concert movies were so huge at the time. This was probably a very in-demand thing. So it well, gives and us it's a like vehicle his stand-up to... is the only reason he's in the movie, essentially, because... Well, no, I, I take issue with that. I take issue with Well, that. because think... what I'm saying, though, is, I mean, like, first of all, we talked about Bill Cosby in the last episode. Like, what the hell's he doing on the wall? And really, yeah. the only reason he's on the wall is because he did a stand-up bit about Superman. Mm. Then you have Richard Pryor, who just happened to be on The Tonight yeah. Show one night and said, yeah, I'd like to be in a Superman movie. So the producer said, let's do that. Well, you know, I, I guess for the, for history's sake, I'm glad that they gave Cosby the, the, the cameo and Richard Pryor the starring role. I'll agree with you there, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, so, so we're in an unemployment line and uh, again, if you wouldn't know that this was necessarily a Superman movie if you just walked into the Right, movie yeah, theater. for sure. Uh, you wouldn't even know that this was a, a, a superhero or a comic book movie. I mean, my guess would have been Italian neorealist film, <laughs> British docudrama <laughs> from the 1980s. I mean, it would be anything but that this is a superman movie it also is um, a searing like look at uh where we were politically in the country at the time you know what i mean i mean it's yeah and, it's, and you know that's a, i think the the movie is is setting itself up even at that point as a movie which is going to be unashamedly comedy and also social commentary, a, a very political movie. Yeah, big social movie, commentary, right. Which, which, you know, if you think about how the movie goes on, that's the movie you get. Um, so uh, do I think there's anything wrong with it in the context of this one film? No. Uh, it, does it have anything <laughs> to do with Superman or this franchise? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is, the th this is the key point to me about this movie, is even with... The social commentary, even with, you know, slapstick, even with things that just don't belong in a Superman movie, they all seem wadded up into yeah. like a ball and somehow still manage for me to work. I think it's, it's about how bold they come out of the gate as a comedy. The opening title sequence um, is is basically it takes place inside this this fictional universe where silent movies um, right. are the dominant have come form back, of... Yeah, have come back to haunt us. <laughs> the, 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 the dominant form of, in, of human interaction is only through silent comedy movies. Um, so we, we have an opening sequence in which uh, we're, we're, we're following a man who's going through a series of slapstick mishaps. Right. Um, and uh, as the sequence goes on, we see Clark Kent, who then transforms into Superman, foils a bank robbery. And at that point, you sort of think... Saves the guy okay, in the car. 
yeah, here we go. We're into the Superman movie. That was just a little bit of slapstick fluff. But no. We come back. No, we, we go back to that <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we double And down. he has more accidents. <laughs> and this goes on for another five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's extra- it is absolutely extraordinary. Um, and, you know, I really think this is about, you know. So is uh, it that it's part of the movie's charm? Is that what, you know, is that kind of bottom line? It, it establishes the fact, which I think is accurate that this is a superman movie where superman is a minor character in the story (laughs) (laughs) if if you were watching the if you're watching the movie up to this point you would think that this movie was about the man who keeps getting a cream pie in his face and walking into a bucket and you'd think that he was the main character but if you take the movie more time on him than any other character in the movie right but if you take the movie on the whole it's gus gorman's story isn't it yeah he has the clearest character arc. I yeah. think he he's got the clearest character development. I, this is a, this again. You know this this must sound ludicrous to. He to changes from beginning. Yeah, to he end. does. Yeah. yeah, and and this was one of the big criticisms of the movie that he goes from villain to uh, to sidekick within the course of the movie. But it, I think it's actually one of the strengths of the movie. And it, yeah, it makes total sense to me. It's paced out nicely. There's reasons why he changes. Um, there are some things that the screenwriters forget he does, which are very villainous. But right. you know, yeah. I'll give I'll give him a pass. I think I think I think they were genuinely trying to be quite woke and progressive in saying like, uh, you know, this this Af- African American working class guy uh, can be the hero of this story. Right. Well, let's talk about you know if our listeners, if you haven't seen Superman three, what the hell are you doing listening to this? But. You um, must you you must think that we've lost our minds. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a story uh, where Superman goes back home, right? This is a uh, an efficient yeah. way one to get rid of Lois Lane. She's just mm-hmm. gonna where does she go? Uh, Venezuela or Bermuda? Bermuda. Yeah. And what's her fantastic line at the well, end of when, the movie? I, at the end of the movie, yeah. she she said they. they um, they congratulate at the Daily Planet. They congratulate her on this great story that she stumbled into, and she says, uh, "I I knew I was onto something when that taxi driver kidnapped me." Fantastic! I just um, love it. They get rid of her so efficiently, and like behind the scene wise, from what I understand, uh, she and Richard Lester just did not get along at all, and that's one of the reasons she was gone. So we have Lois out of the picture, and we take yeah. on Annette O'Toole as Lana, Lana, Lana or Lana. Lana, I think. Lana, Lana Lang. Let's uh, not get stuck on that. Yeah, but let's <laughs> let's not dwell too too long. Um, and Superman goes home, and this, uh, yeah, you know, is a good portion of the story. Um, it is. What do you think of that? Uh, I I enjoy it tremendously. I think, I mean, Margot Kidder's Lois Lane is is wonderful. Um, I think the right decision was taken to, you know, give her a movie off, essentially. Yeah, I like whilst, switching it up. Whilst also, you know, giving her, you know, two, one scene split in half at the beginning of the end of the movie, which is, is interestingly what Charlton Heston insisted on for the Planet of the Apes sequel, which is, you know, already there, we're starting to see a trend here yeah. um, <laughs> about stars, stars demanding that they only be in one scene of a sequel. Um, but... I'm sure the decision was taken for the wrong reasons, but it actually turns out really well. And, and I love this idea of Superman going back to his um, his hometown. I love 
I, I love the fact that Smallville is represented as this kind of uh, American, this middle America that seems to be from Killer Joe or Winter's Bone. <laughs> it is, it is a savage attack That's on middle bleak. America. This bowling alley full of day drinkers and ex-football stars who, who are like turned into drunken sex pests. It's, uh, you know, and it's ultra conservative. No one can get a job. You know, uh, the, the, the people who are threshing the wheat fields don't look where they're going and just churn up kids in their wake. Right. It's, it's a hellscape. Yeah, it's, not, it's, 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 a, it's an unkind Smallville, to, to say the least. Yeah. And while Superman is in Smallville for his high school reunion, Gus Gorman, as played by Richard Pryor, goes from mm. the unemployment line to becoming a computer genius and working yes. for Ross Webster, played by Robert Vaughn. We have the new supervillain. And this is, you know, if, if you can't get the, if you can't or you don't want to get the full complement of cast back, you need to, you know, you need your, what I call the, the Pentangeli card. You need to have a, a direct replacement who is, you know, up to the job. And, you know, Gene Hackman for Robert Vaughn is, is a pretty good trade-off. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean he's, he's, he's I'm not going to say that Ross world. Webster is any Lex Luthor. No. We can't say that, but we can say that Robert Vaughn is uh, completely, uh, you know, uh, uh, even though he's a villain, he's a bit delightful as this villain in this role. I think, yeah, he does, he, he's, um, he pl actually plays it relatively low key and it's a, it's a really nice choice, uh, especially with, you know, Richard Pryor scatting about rapists and his, you know, stern, uh, you know, his, his quote, uh, ugly sister. Right. We have quote. sort of, a uh, uh, and the, the, the dumb blonde secretary and, uh, you know, with that kind of, this sort of, uh, this, uh, rogues gallery of of uh, sidekicks it's nice that he kind of takes it down a little bit and he's he's sort of uh you know he's a he's a satire he's a critique or a satire of, of corporate america because he you know he's a ceo of these of this conglomerate yeah he's definitely from ronald reagan's america oh he yeah yeah you know? and one of the ways in which this movie is a, a savage indictment of um of uh, of reagan's america but um but when he needs to sort of, uh, similar to Terrence Stamp uh, uh, as Zod, you know, when he needs to bring it down and be serious, he is pretty fearsome. He has he has a moment that reminds me of uh, Michael Corleone in The Godfather, um, <laughs> when you know they say he he says uh, it's not enough that that I win, they have to fail. Right, that's like straight out of the Michael Corleone playbook. And Robert Vaughn is definitely the the person to to to. Um, to do all that um and he fills that hot that considerable hole in the story and i think you know i i'm, I'm happy with the trade-offs here um it could have been a lot worse absolutely i mean robert vaughn is like uh, the precursor to axelrod from today's billions uh, mm -hmm. yes you know <laughs> he's he's also got a touch of mr burns about him yeah, as well yeah you 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 do almost expect him to put the fingers together and say <laughs> i know i i do i there there's a there's a moment that you know i feel like if i was watching this late at night and i started to fall asleep i would i would think that you know i'd accidentally turned on an episode of the simpsons and gus gorman and and, and Ross Webster were Lenny and Mr. Burns. 
All right, well, we are just starting to get into Superman 3. We are going to go to a commercial, and ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Are you a beer novice? Are you a beer snob? Are you something in between? Wherever you lie on the beer spectrum, you can probably relate to Stephen J. Weiss and Dan Aker of the Vegas Beer Guys. The Vegas Beer Guys are a live show. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. Check them out as they try new beers and learn about beers. Steve, being a bit of a beer novice, learns right at the feet of a beer guru like Dan Aker. They try beers and they'll tell you about beers. They'll tell you where to steer clear from and where you should be going. They're just a great time. You're going to have a great time watching them. Go ahead and check out the Vegas Beer Guys. And we're back. So, Tom, we both say that this is a good movie. This is your favorite movie in the trilogy. Well, not the trilogy, but the four movies. We're talking... It's a sequel yeah. trilogy. I, I, I was thinking I of it as a sequel trilogy in terms of our purposes. Yeah. Um, well, no, well, it, it, it's always been that to me. Is that right? I, could, I couldn't tell you what's in the original. I really wow. couldn't. And apart from the parts that are recapped. In Superman 2. <laughs> Superman. So, so the that whole are so movie, diligently <laughs> put into Superman 2. Well, all right. We both like this movie. Um, for me... Mm. There's so much nonsense in this movie, but I love the Superman fighting himself scene, and I actually love the climactic yes. battle that I will forgive uh, quite a bit. I'll, I'll forgive that there's a psychic nutrition, nutritionist. I'll, I'll, I'll forgive. That's a great gag. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a nice a nice little poke at eighties, you know. I yeah, I like kind that. of delight in these things. Like I delight that um, when. Clark is home in Smallville that uh, Lana says, what's it like to, you know, be in Metropolis, the big apricot, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, All these little jokes, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the idea that um, what is it that he's 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 giving all these tankers of oil. um, He's forcing them to go to one spot in the ocean with an unbreakable code. And then That's the very right. next scene, the captain of a ship says, get the, gets the basic, basically the unbreakable code is a fax given to him that says, go to these coordinates. Yeah. He's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. And then they make him the president because he, he, he took, made such a right. good choice in that situation. In the next, next film, you will see that man as the, the president <laughs> of the United States. I don't, I don't know if it's to say, there's nothing to say it's not the same character. So what, yeah. I mean, but, like, <laughs> so what is it in a movie where all of this ridiculous mm. bullshit is present, but we just yeah. um, delight in it? Because by the fourth movie, I'm not delighted at all. So what is it about Superman 3 that is delightful? Um, well, I mean, it, it actually builds on the strength of, of the cast, the remaining cast. And, you know, allows Christopher Reeve really to come in his own. And he plays uh, a version of himself tainted by uh, camel cigarette. Tar. Um, yeah, camel cigarette, tar, uh, um, constituted kryptonite. Right, which kind of goes back to the <laughs> to the social commentary about how we should not yeah, be dealing yeah. with... It's an anti-spot. You know, 
anti anti smoking message, and this allows him to 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 become a character that uh, I've always called Douche yeah. Man, who is this this uh, uh, he's a not, real not, piece uh, of shit, isn't he? <laughs> I mean. But he's not he's not like a. It's really subtle. He's not like an evil Superman. He's just a, a kind of slightly more jockey. Douchey is um, correct. Toxic, toxic yeah, masculinity. He Superman. is toxic. Um, he's day drinking. He's got doers. He's busting up glasses <laughs> with his peanuts. He's getting blowjobs at the statue. Yeah, of he's like. Um, there's this whole scene where there's like a sexual blackmail. That is yeah. pretty fucking what, dark for a kids movie. It really is. And what what I like, uh, it makes me think of. I do wonder whether uh, when Quentin Tarantino was writing Kill Bill Two. And he, you know, Bill has that fantastic monologue about Clark Kent is Superman's critique of human beings. You know, that's uh-huh. what he sees right. us as. And I, I totally see that. I wonder what he's thinking of Superman 3 because there's so many examples of that. Um, I think at point, one point Ross Webster says Superman's turned into a normal human yeah, being. Right. You know, it's sort of like he's no different from the rest of us, but that's basically a piece of shit. As soon as Superman stops doing like heroic things, everyone turns their back on him. The United Nations censures him. People start talking shit right. to him. There's and that scene like, where, it's, he, uh, where, it's, where, where he's in Smallville having a lunch with, with Lana Lang and they find out there's an emergency and she's like, shouldn't you go? And he's like, yeah. meh, oh, it'll be fine. And then it turns out it wasn't fine. He didn't get there in time. But human beings managed to save the people that were in trouble anyway. And he flies yeah. down and, uh, you know, somebody who would have praised him literally 10 minutes ago looks him straight in the face and goes, you're yeah. late. Yeah, if you'd have been here a minute ago, a minute ago, we would have been fucked. And they figure it out yeah. themselves. I mean, we're, we're trash. He's also trash. I think it's quite... It's actually... I do wonder whether there's a slight um, critique of, of Superman 2 because even when he goes back to being regular, you know, um, regular moral uh, high ground Superman, he still refuses to acknowledge the fact that he's had sex with... Um, uh, Ross's yeah, psychic Lorelai yeah. uh, is the character. He he completely leaves her in the. You know, she says hi, Superman. He's like, I don't know you. It's that like, guy wasn't uh, me. He says, <laughs> Yeah, that guy wasn't me. Which is class. You know, classic. Um, you know, abusive uh, husband stick. Anyway, yeah. Um, there's also like, but you know, because like Lana has that kind of a boyfriend character, or at least he wants to be with her, yeah. and he seems clearly like. Brad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he seems clearly like an abusive alcoholic. I mean, yeah. there is some shit going it's, it's down a, in here. Yeah, so that that ability to sort of um, it's 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 an attack on a lot of different American values. It's, I think it's any coincidence that the director is British. That's why um, Tom's here, everybody. It, <laughs> point these things out. This, if anybody can point this um, out, it's the master of colonialism. <laughs> exactly but um it, it's so with all that going on plus the fact christopher reeve is is i think doing his best acting in the franchise the scene in which he takes on he splits into yeah so Clark let's Kent talk about and, that and yeah, it's fantastic yeah. i just love this and scene so much 
It makes no sense unless it's all going on inside his head because they're equally matched in any way. But never right, mind. Right. Uh, it's 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 a beautiful bit of psychodrama and Chris and you know old globe trained Christopher Reeve is absolutely magnificent in playing uh, playing both the, characters. The, the part and, he's like, come on, know, come on, yeah, come on, come on, come on, <laughs> come on. You always wanted to fly, can't? Huh? Uh, you know, it's it's it's. Re- I mean, he he, he has one of those so moments great. in every one of. In every one of the film, he has he has a, a transcendent moment. Uh, so those transcendent moments, I think, um, yeah, it's it's even even it, it basically this film sets itself no boundaries from the get go. Mm-hmm. It says this is going to be all slapstick, all social critique, and even within that, it goes too far. <laughs> There, there are moments which you cannot justify using either of those kind of like uh, defenses. Um, I mean, if there's a mental image I'm fighting in defending this movie, it is the the, the two people on the traffic oh. signals fighting each fighting other. Fighting each other. Right. I mean, even in you know, if you saw that even in a like a Buster King and during movie that or sequence, you'd be like yeah. too far, yeah, right. too far. And, he, and during that sequence, you're also <laughs> actively hearing. Pac-Man noises from like the Pac-Man video game. Yeah, so it's it's very. But then um, I remember writing in my notes. Anytime I think I'm done with this movie, and bearing in mind that there is a scene in this movie where a man skis off a skyscraper and survives, um, which to me should be the new jump the fridge skiing. Yeah, off the, we we should be talking about how movies are really Ski-fall. skiing off that the movie Skifall. Yeah. That's maybe really skied off the skyscraper. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's um, incredible moments and scenes. Uh, Richard Pryor confronting Robert Vaughn. Um, you know, telling him that you know I need to get a. If we're going to be doing this bad stuff, I need to get a piece of it. Yeah. And you know that that I don't know whether it's because you know so little has changed, but that that scene sends a chill down my spine because it's 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 it, those power dynamics and. And that's kind of economic and social inequality is still very, very rife, you know, and intensified greatly in the last few yeah. years. And so that stuff really speaks to me. The, the fight at the gas station over over mm-hmm. fuel, you know, a few years after America went through a fuel yeah. crisis. And this isn't a slapstick thing no, at all. No, it's this like is real. people hurting each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I so I think that... Um, it's it's always gonna it's always gonna have those moments that you know it, it's it's a balance. I mean, the movie's just, just sort of chopped full out. of things that make you go, huh? But yeah, still manages powers, powers beyond re- powers beyond reason makes a fierce, <laughs> a fierce return, return from because Superman too. I remember we were talking about this, you know, when on his way to Smallville, Clark uh, happens upon a. a fire at an acid factory or you know a chemical factory (laughs) one of those acid factories and uh it just looks like a farm of acid for some reason yeah and uh so he he changes into superman he goes to a lake he blows a chill over the entire lake and just lifts up that whole iceberg and i'm always thinking like how is he doing that he's just holding it on one end surely it would just break off and what's the thought that comes to Mm -hmm. mind Powers, Powers beyond, beyond reason. reason. You don't need any more um, than that. Yeah. That, uh, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, it's, I mean, we, we haven't even started talking about 
a supercomputer that is designed on the back of cigarette that's, packets. That's amazing. Um, and, and, when, and when they paper. zoom, when they zoom, because and and you know, like in my head, I'm like, oh, I, I like this movie. I'm gonna have to defend it. And when they, but when they zoom in to the the drawer <laughs> the the drawings i was like well maybe there are detailed blueprints on here no. nope just a picture of yeah. a computer basically i don't these guys these guys who built it must be absolute geniuses well, because they just took a picture here's of a my favorite and put here's it- one of my favorite things in the whole movie that i only just noticed on a rewatching. so yeah they cut to the scene where it's being built this huge supercomputer so listeners we're getting to the end of this movie right now right and you're going to find a scene where workers are working inside of the cave to build this computer. And you notice yes. that out of their pockets, they start putting down on top of a box or something all those papers that Gus Gorman, Richard Pryor, yeah. wrote the computer yeah. on. So it's not like they took those scraps of paper and then <laughs> built blueprints. They just took the scraps and built the yeah. computer from them. Like, they're actively looking at them inside the cave. Yeah. It's so pure magic. It's great. It, it is. It is. Yeah, it is pure magic. I, I, I mean, I I am, I like the fact that, that you know, um, the smartest people in the movie are, are, are women, people of color, you know, working class people in general. Right. Um, it's that's a that's a that's a good thing, but they don't, they, you know, they don't try and justify that um, in any way in any way that's plausible. Um, but the duality of it is is part of, as you say, the movie's the movie's magic. Uh, I mean, Gus Gorman goes from being a uh, a guy who, with no education to a computer genius. Um, yeah, it's kind. Th- it, this is not a good. This is not a good Will Hunting situation. No, this but it a, does feel like is... a Mozart situation. It was. It feels like yeah. I. I just happened to never have sat in front of a keyboard before. <laughs> yes, and exactly. now I have. Exactly. And so it's about yeah, it's about opportunity yeah. and access. Um, so it's a it, um, and Lorelai uh, is a similar deal where she's kind of um, she's. We, we find out in the course of the movie that that this the, the dumb blonde acting in quotations that, is in that fact acting is it's, it's a facade and you know when no one's around she's reading these dense philosophy books and you know uh, it, when when it comes to the crunch she reveals herself as the smartest person right. in the room and so the movie definitely has those those moves in it where you know i i, I want to support it i love the fact that it ends with the um the the you know the brother handshake between superman and richard mm-hmm. Pryor. you know i think that's a great moment of race relations in cinema <laughs> you know that's like that's like uh Jim, james stewart and duke ellington at the piano in anatomy of a murder you know it's up there uh, that is a bold statement <laughs> well let's talk about because we're getting towards the end of it here let's talk about the yeah. final climactic battle yeah. in at least in the three sequels, is this the best battle? Does this beat Superman 2? Because Superman 2 has a great battle scene in the yeah. middle three quarters of the way through, but then that last battle scene is just him kind of using his wits. You know, it's mm-hmm. not terribly exciting, but it's it's certainly enjoyable. I love this yeah. battle scene in yeah. Superman 3. I, I delight in it. 
Yeah, I think I think it's great. I'd, I, I, in general, I'd say I think the effects in this movie are, are the peak of the franchise, um, which is weird because it's the thing that the movie is least interested right. in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yet, and yet, everything everything looks the best it, it will ever look in this. I actually franchise. have a note here that says one of the notes I made was, uh, you know, one of the trivia facts for this movie was when Superman comes. And they're launching the missiles at him, you know, in the climactic scene. And yes. so the supercomputer is launching these missiles. And it looks like they're kind of playing a video game. They had to yes. tell the people that made that video game sequence <laughs> to make it look not quite as good because it looked too good to them. So they made him do it a second wow. time and made it look a little bit worse. Right. They, do you think that they told the people who made Superman Four that, and they just they just applied it to? Oh, the whole Superman movie? Four is a whole other ball game, my friend. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you, you just you wait. We'll a, get um, there. You, you, we, we will, we will get there. Um, uh, I think that you know the probably the highlight of that scene for me, and it's again something which which makes no literal sense is is uh, the robot Vera, where Ross's uh, dowdy sister. Right is transformed into a cyborg a la Metropolis or the Terminator. Actually, pre-Terminator, so uh, you're welcome, James Cameron. Is it? Well, um, <laughs> uh, this is 83. Is it not? So, oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, I think, right. I think we're, we're clear. It probably was an homage to the Terminator. There's a poster for Blade Runner in the yeah. scrapyard where Superman fights himself, which is uh, interesting. One of the things um, I love in that but, final battle is, uh, first of all, you have the acid callback, so... So that's, that's right. how he which reveal that's how he that's how he triumphs that's how Superman triumphs but there's this moment where he's trying <laughs> to get the lid open and these you know the yeah. computer is sucking him in I assume to I don't know put it in its womb or something it's gonna get turn him into a robot and uh, these... we re- we really needed that callback because they spent a lot of time talking about acid oh did? yeah in that scene. Um, and I kind of plenty thought for me as like an eleven-year-old be... kid. I thought to myself, I think we're going to see the acid again. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I thought, but I thought we would hear more about Ross Webster's socks because he talks about it about his socks for about the same length of time as they talk about. Yeah, the acid. that that, that he yeah, never that wears the same pair twice. He, yeah, yeah. This is this is the big monologue that he's given, and I, so I thought he would like you know. Uh, Superman would kill him with a pair of socks. Right. I mean, so, and it, you know, in this climactic <laughs> scene, you've got the missiles firing, you've got Superman dodging and weaving, you've got Robot Vera, yeah. you've got Gus That's overcoming, uh, you know, kind of coming to a new understanding of what he should do and who he should be. Um, as yeah. Superman's lifting that, that uh, asset, I love this part where the wires come out and cover his face. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just such a cool-looking effect. It is, yeah, yeah. It all, it all it's really. It's a great climax. Um, stands up, yeah. It is, it is, it's a, it's a really, it's a, the most sci-fi I think the Superman franchise gets. It's the most purely sci-fi. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's re- we're, we're do- like I said, you know, we're going back to like Metropolis, um, kind of uh, science, science fiction, robots right. and supercomputers it's it's uh it's a great it's a great finale yeah it's a great it's just fantastic so a few interesting facts before we go here superman 3 directed by richard lester uh 
11th highest grossing film of 1983 uh, did not manage to beat out Staying Alive, uh, another sequel. Interesting. Which I'm sure yeah. we'll talk about at some point. Um, another interesting <laughs> fact that Christopher Reeve wasn't sure he was going to come back. Tony Danza was slated to become Superman. Uh, hmm. They were looking for people for Ross Webster. Their first choice was Alan Alda, and he said no. Ooh. How fun would that have been? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's much, much later. It's, a, what, a few years after that, he does Crimes and Misdemeanors, yeah. where he plays a similar kind of um, mogul character. Yeah. Um, so I think, and, you know, he, Horace and Pete, he does a fantastic sort of bad guy. So I think I think he would have been wonderful, but um, Robert Vaughn's definitely the right choice. Do you think they just told Christopher Reeve that, that Tony Danza was going to do it to make him? I do don't it? know. Just to, I, it's, just as a, as a kind of bargain. It is shit, Hollywood. It's, you don't do it's, it's, it, Tony yeah, Danza. It's not will. out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> um, it would go along with sort of all the silly nonsense in this movie. One of the things I love about this movie is uh, it doesn't seem to know what year it is. Gus Gorman is printing checks that say 1983. Uh, Superman goes to the Olympics, which was in 1984, and his class of 1965 right. is having their 20-year reunion, which makes it 1985. <laughs> uh, so despite that, and despite uh, crosswalk signs battling with each other, and despite Pac-Man noises and ski falls, for some reason, this movie yeah. works. It's it's a big it's a big argument for you know co a, watching a cohesive film can sometimes be more enjoyable than than watching a film which has great moments but doesn't tie together very well. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Superman three. Tom and I stand where we stand. This is a good movie. Tom likes it so much; it's his favorite movie in the series. I'm. Yeah, I, I, it's I just... strange for me to like this movie as much as I do and still be baffled by that choice. <laughs> but just while we're talking about endings, um, this is worth noting that uh, out of after we have this extraordinary finale, um, this kind of world-beating sci-fi extravaganza, the final shot of the movie is. Uh, at the Tower of Pisa, oh, that's right. Where two, two replica uh, leaning Tower of Pisa model salesmen who have since changed their business model to straight douche Superman straightened out the t Tower of Pisa, and now they have now they have straight, and he re he re leans it, and it left and and. What I love about this sequence, first of all, you know, the boldness of the choice of like, this is a comedy movie, we're going to end on a gag, like, you know, like a, and a big gag at that. But the timing of the Italian who hits his own, his own stall with a broom to John Williams' Superman theme <laughs> is beautifully timed. You, I remember as a kid even thinking that, like, the, 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 the chords come in at the exact moment he hits the broom. It's incredible sound editing. Um... So, you know, I think that is, to me, that is the metaphor for the, for the movie of, like, uh, it's like you're, you're, you're doing the wrong thing uh, in such an extreme way <laughs> that, it, that, it, that it justifies yourself. And we get back to that, to that sequel thing, which, which to me, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb with sequels is if you're trying to do things different, it justifies itself. Heard. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna die on that yeah for sure for sure 
All right, that's it for Superman 3. Ladies and gentlemen, join us in the next couple of days. We'll be dropping our uh, commentary on Superman 4, The Quest of Peace, the 1987 cinematic abortion that ended the series. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, my name is Mike Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. We'll see you next time, and have a great day.